Shall we begin? Let's begin Irakondo, what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irakunda. Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal. Rich Bagalu through the crowd, fires one up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football, as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast. My name is Lockie. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by my co-host, James. How are you today? I'm excited, mate. Ready to go. One week to the World Cup. Time of recording. Like, what? Yeah, less than a week until the World Cup. It has crept up on us, I think, mostly because of the time of year. We've still got regular season games going in a lot of the leagues around the world. But we're a week away from the World Cup, which doesn't feel real. Yeah, there's also usually like a two, three week training camp before the World Cup. So... I'm sure that will be cited many a time by Graham Arnold because we all know how much he loves his preparation time. So, yeah, it's certainly caught up on us, I'd say, for that reason as well. Any chance that you have to just <laughs> little jab. It's not a jab. It's an, it's an acknowledgement of the reality of what I should expect. Okay, well, we might <laughs> expect to hear some reasons, some excuses, if you will, but... I'm choosing to be optimistic this episode. I'm excited, and I'd like to give a special welcome to Hasbro, the board game company, because I've got something that they're going to want to stick around and listen to a little bit later. The Socceroos are currently rolling into camp right now. They're arriving. There's beautiful videos already going up of the players arriving, and it seems like the vibes are high right now in the Socceroos camp. Jackson Irvine, did you see that? Oh, the kit. Mark Viduka, I love a tribute to a former Socceroos legend, just hit the perfect spot right there. Stunning kid as well. Yeah, great Beautiful. kid. Would love to see more of that, if I'm honest, yeah. within the Socceroos, an acknowledgement of those who've gone before them. Just because I've seen them wear like their junior kits. You saw, I believe it was the Dutch national team were wearing the kits of the clubs that they came from. And I think that's great. But yeah. I also think it's great to wear the match-worn jerseys of players who've gone before them. Of the heroes of Australian sport, really. Because, let's be real, the Socceroos actually have a really rich history. They do. Some really good players. And for all that's spoken about in Australian football, saying, oh, look at these, you know, young clubs, we have a really rich history of Australian football. And players like Mark Vadukas, like Johnny Warren, should be celebrated. And I think what Jackson Irvine did was phenomenal. Yeah, I think it's so cool. So unbelievably cool. And... I think it's a really great way to endear themselves to the Australian footballing public, but also I think the Australian public as well, Mm. especially someone like Irvine, who we know was in the stadium when that Uruguay penalty shootout happened. And there's that photo of him, I think with his shirt over his head. And you know that he is like us, a fan of the Socceroos, and now he's there representing us. So it's unbelievably cool. But what I did want to say was that as the Socceroos are rolling into camp, we know that a number of them have had a couple of fixtures just this week. And there have been some really impressive games from some of these Socceroos players. There were also some players that didn't quite make the squad who had impressive weeks as well. But let's quickly go over those who maybe had a game this week. Let's quickly go over those who did play this week and maybe how they went. Well, the most notable for me as 
what could be our starting centre-back combination returning from injury. It's Kai Rolls and Harry Suter. Yeah, exactly. Both returning from injury and both had great games. The reports are that it was almost like you couldn't tell that they'd been injured, which is unbelievable considering, at least for the case of Harry Suter, he had an ACL injury. And it usually takes a while for it to show that you fully recovered from it. But it sounds like the concerns that we had, at least last episode or the episode before that, almost nullified. He's back to fitness. For sure. But you have to keep in mind, he was rested the next game. So there was one more game he could have played, but uh, he needed to be rested after that. And when we're heading into tournament football, that is something to keep in mind. I can't see him starting all three games because I don't think his legs will literally have that in him. Uh, but it is great to see that he's ready to play 90 minutes of football at the senior level, which is phenomenal. In terms of Kai Rolls, broken foot, ready to go now. Um, we'll speak just about the Rangers game. I won't speak about the red card in the second game, but he, he was exceptional against Rangers, really made them struggle and earn their one and only goal for the game. But it's great to see that Kai Rolls is back healthy and Harry Suter is back healthy and both ready to go for this World Cup. Over in France, a player that was unlucky to miss out, Alex Gersbach, he had quite an exceptional game, didn't he? He did. Um, he's had quite a good run in, quite unlucky, I think, to miss out. Uh, but Bayet did very well as well in the lead up. But Gersbach, an assist most recently. And he's just performing well and continuing to perform well. And it's good to see him now contributing to the attack because that was the one big next step for him. So hopefully he can continue that post-World Cup break. Yeah, I mean, don't really want to focus on the negative, so to speak. But as a player who has, I think, unfairly missed out when you look at his form compared to Joel King's, for him to respond in that way, and I think similar to a player that we'll mention Mm. in just a second, for him to go, hey, Graham, I'm here. This is what I'm doing. And when it comes time for the Asian Cup, if Graham is still in charge, if his contract does get extended, hey, this is what I can do, and I can be a service to the national team. For sure, for sure. He had a good game, assist, and that's what you love to see as a player responding to the disappointing news of you missing out. In the A-League, I will mention this player, Marco Tilio was one of those players who also just missed out. Not that it pins on one thing exactly, but I don't know if missing that goal against New Zealand helped his cause. And his lack of game time heading into this World Cup probably also didn't help. He, he's getting a little bit more game time under Kuznorbo, but over the weekend, a beautiful assist for Jamin McLaren in the game against Newcastle. Yeah, he played really well, but it also coincided with a slight positional change. Um, I say slight. It was quite drastic, actually. Tilio usually playing down the left-hand side or as a 10. He played in the right wing this game, and cutting into that silky left foot was quite dominant in creating opportunities. But Ultimately, the assist actually came with his right where he played a perfectly weighted cross across Jim McLaren at the back post. And for a still, I would say, young player to deal with the disappointment and transition that into a really good performance is really exciting to see. And I'm eagerly anticipating, hopefully, Tilio to continue this form after the World Cup and hopefully show that, hey, I should be going to the Asian Cup now. Yeah, 100%. McLaren... As I just said, getting the goal in that game, it was given to him on a platter, but he still had to finish his dinner, and he did. He did his job. He did his job. Also, in the A-League over the weekend, Garang Kowal, absolute game changer. Mariners go down to 10 men. Kowal gets subbed on. 
he brought it back almost single-handedly to all with two goals, one being a penalty, but phenomenal player. And hopefully we see some of that hunger at the World Cup. Cummings didn't have his best game ever, but it happens. It does happen. He's not really a pentaker, and if he's starting for the Zocaries, I don't really see him being the first-choice pentaker. I think we've got other players like Naden Fristich, hopefully, if, if he's healthy, that will take on that role. But I'll focus on the positives from this game. Grant Wall. wow. <laughs> Very short cameo, only playing, what, like 35 minutes, I think, or something around that mark. And being the best player in the park in just those 35 minutes, it, it was special. And a sensational goal as well. Not the best in A-League history. Uh, a certain somebody else, I would say, owns that honour, who is still scoring sensational goals elsewhere. A very good goal from a tight angle from Grand Qual, fired into the top of the net. It was quite exciting to see. It was exhilarating to see. Unfortunately, MacArthur scored 95th minute to win the game. It wasn't meant to be for the Mariners, but if that's the sort of thing that Garang is doing at the World Cup, then I'm going to be a happy man. I'm going to be a very happy man. I'll be absolutely salivating every single minute he's playing because, I mean, he's capable of the spectacular and... As a silky winger, you have to have your fullbacks fully concentrated at all times. And for someone like Grant Koala who could come off the bench against a tired fullback, it could be very exciting to see. Especially when you saw the confidence that he had against Barcelona when they were playing the All-Stars. Grant takes no prisoners. He doesn't care who he's playing against. He will go and run straight at you. And he didn't score in that game. He came awfully close to... Probably should have had two. Exactly. And so... This could be a breakout World Cup for him. I really hope it is. And I hope that we're not just one of the many media outlets, if you will, just throwing support behind him that is, uh, what's the word I want to use? Unfounded. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. I think there is a lot of potential that he has, and he is one of our best prospects at the moment. Do I think he's Harry Kuehl level? which I've seen a couple of takes this week. Probably not, but does he have the potential to to get to a Harry Kuehl level? Maybe. That's an interesting take because I, I know that you know that I'm an avid football manager player and actually his potential ability, the top end of it, is Harry Kuehl areas. Well, I'm not saying that he doesn't have the potential to be like Harry Kuehl. I'm just saying that at 18, where Garang is at and where Harry Kuehl is at, are two different places. Yeah, okay. Grang has the opportunity to change that very quickly because, of course, he's going to Newcastle in January. But for this World Cup, I think a lot of big European clubs will end up kind of kicking themselves a little bit that they didn't pick up on this Grand Qual fella earlier. Yeah, totally agree. There's one more player, I think, that will be walking into camp that is feeling pretty good about himself at the moment. In fact, I know that he is because his roommate, Harry Sutar, in a video the other day, was saying that he's already sent him the goal on pretty much every social platform, really wanting to drive it home that he scores well. He's talking about Riley McGree, of course. A beautiful scissor kick. It was a little bit unorthodox, I'll admit. When the ball was dropping down, I was thinking he'd wait until maybe a half volley came up, but he, he jumped. Scissor kick, top corner, beautiful goal. He has a knack for those, doesn't he? He really does. I don't understand how or why, but he's just, he pops up, scores a goal worthy of a Puskas nomination, and then just goes back to doing his job 
as a workhorse in the midfield. I mean, he's a special player, Ryan McGree, and the big thing for him will be consistency. It always has been, and if he can continue being a goal scorer, he will really level up his game to the next level, which I think he has potential of. I'm not saying scoring scorpions and scissor kicks every weekend, but just becoming a bit more consistent in getting goal-scoring areas and putting those chances away. But special goal, I think, hopefully, Puskas, whoever runs that, they, they realize that he was robbed the first time and they finally give him a trophy because he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, Australians are known for scoring some very good goals at World Cups. I don't know how Tim Cahill didn't win the Puskas or the even the goal of the tournament. I think James Rodriguez won it. James, decent goal. But Tim Cahill, ball coming over the shoulder, had to hit that volley. Phenomenal goal. Nuts. And I think that Riley has the ability to pull that out of his locker as well. The thing is, you're not crazy for saying that. And you know what? I would love to see that. I'm going to predict that Riley McGree is going to score a volley this World Cup. In the game against Tunisia, well, every Australian is watching it. I don't know if I'm going to throw a prediction behind it, but I'm willing to say that I wouldn't be surprised if he scores a worldie, and I'm looking forward if it does happen. 88th minute, mate. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Look, when we watch games together, you do have an uncanny knack for saying there's a goal coming here 45 seconds before it even happens. So whether your your prediction of an 88th minute worldie from McGree in the Tunisia game comes to fruition, we will wait and see. But before the Tunisia game, We've got our French match in under a week now. Can you believe it? No, I, I can't really. It still doesn't really feel real, but... The fever hasn't quite set in yet that the World Cup is here. Yeah, this French national team, the squad has been announced. What is quite an interesting squad, and I've seen a number of people, both professionals and just your average pundit, saying that they feel like we've got a real good chance against France. I don't know if I share that same optimism, Yes, there seems to be this World Cup curse where the winners from the previous year struggle. I don't know if I fully buy it. I think this French side still has some very good qualities. That's not a knock against the Socceroos, but I just think that it's going to be a 3-1 game. I don't know if it's going to be any closer than that for the Socceroos. I can see us maybe scoring a goal to equalize and then France running away with it. Because I just think that quality up top is unreal. But shall we just quickly look over this French squad and who the players are that we have to look out for? I mean, there's going to be the obvious ones. But how do you think that we'll go against them, James? We talk tactics. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk tactics. Well, you will know what I'm saying because I actually think Australia is going to cope very well with the French. I think stylistically we match up actually decently when you look at where we are strong. We are strong in retaining the ball and holding the ball once we build up the ball in our creative phase. We're actually quite good at that. And when you look at the French side, they're very reliant on workhorses, really. Uh, Camavinga, Guendouzi, Rabiot, Tushimeni. And then you've got Fafana and uh, Vertut, who are kind of on the outside of that squad a little bit, I think. But there's a weakness in that midfield. They struggle to create. They're very much workhorses. Tushimeni is really the only creative player in there, but he's still got many years to develop into the player he will become so I think actually our midfield is actually going to cope very well against theirs because it's the first game and they're going to have to start teenagers really uh Rabiot is a very hot and cold player then between Tushimeni and Kamavinga they're both young inexperienced players in their first really huge international tournament game I think there's a very good chance that Australia could actually overwhelm them a little bit 
in a three-man midfield. But when I look to their defence, this is where it gets interesting because I think Graham Arnold will utilise his tried, tested siege mentality. He'll call on that and it could actually work in this game because France, they play a three-back and what they usually do is then they use traditional wing-backs in that role. So a look at the Theo Hernandez's of the world, uh, Benjamin Pavard's. They'll be used as a left wing-back and a right wing-back. And that's an exhausting role because Australia is going to sit deeper we're going to let the French come at us. And what that means is these fullbacks are going to go up and down covering counterattacks. When you have a player that shows who he is, a special player off the bench, like a Grand Kowal, in the 60th minute, you know, around that area, and you have a tiring fullback up against him, and he's electric with the pace, there's a really good chance of getting in behind. Because Grand Kowal, he isn't a player that lets it go over his head and runs onto it. He's Grandquall's far more of a player that wants to receive the ball at his feet and then go. And against a tiring fullback, he attacks with pace. And I think Grandquall could actually make a huge impact on this game. So for me, it does come down to the attack of that French side. When you look at Benzema and Giroud, that will be really interesting for me, who they select to start. I know a lot of people would go straight away, oh, the Ballon d'Or winner, Benzema. But when you look at the Australian squad, a player like Giroud to link up the play and to build pressure against our defence by utilising players around him, like you're on bat base, like you're on Kunku's, like your Griezmann's later in the game. That's going to be the big thing, because if Australia can hold out for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, 60 minutes, the game will really start to open up at that point. So I think it's going to be a lot closer than the casual person may expect, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a draw out of this game for Australia, a goal-scoring draw. A big call from James We'll see whether your call is correct. The inverse of that, though, I, I will acknowledge, is if we concede early, it could get ugly. It, it all hangs on the, the prospects of us holding on for half an hour, 40, half time. And if we can get beyond that, it will, I think it will be a really interesting game as it opens up. But if we concede early, it could be a bloodbath. How do you think Australia lines up against France? I think Graham Arnold will go back to what he knows and what he trusts. I think we will see Sutar and Kai Rolls in their partnership. And I think we see Bayet out on the left and we see Karacic actually out on the right. I think Karacic is far more defensively solid uh, when com- you compare him to Nathaniel Atkinson. And I think he'll trust Karacic more in a defensive role like that. But I can also see him selecting Nathaniel Atkinson because he's more familiar with him through his time at the Yelly Roos. In terms of our midfield, I, I think we see a return of the double pivot for solidity. And I think it's going to be Devlin. I think he's going to trust him. I think he's going to be brave. And I think he's going to partner him up with Moy. And then this last position always depends on health. But I think it is going to be Irvine. I don't think it will be Hristic. I think he is going to be rested in this first game to let him get ready for the Tunisia game. Um, so I think Irvine will come in kind of as that box-to-box Eight almost because we're going to play with two sixes realistically against France, but you could think of it as four, two, three, one, and a ten. Depends how optimistic you want to be. In terms of on the wings, I am pretty much certain we're going to see Matthew Lecky in this game. Experience, good presser, smart. He's not really going to get in behind, but he'll be able to hold the ball to allow our midfield to get up to continue to hold the ball a bit longer and look to build a bit more pressure and more importantly release pressure on our defenders. So I think this is the game for Matthew Leckie. And out on that other wing, I think we'll see actually Amwa Bill. 
I think we'll see his pace um, and we'll utilize him a bit more in terms of getting in behind early. And finally, I think we'll see, much like for the reason of you pick a Lecky, we'll see a Mitchell Duke up top to kind of be combative, someone that could drop in and help and set pieces. And we we'll really look to get us through to halftime where we could see a, maybe a change a little, bit, a little bit later on as we look to see if we can get something out of this game. This is going to sound really boring from a listener point of view, but I don't disagree with any of those <laughs> decisions. Maybe that's because I've come to expect a certain style of football from Arnie. I could maybe see Boyle over Leckie and that Irvine advanced centre midfield position. If Hrustich is fit, I agree with you. We're probably more likely to see him. If McGree is full of confidence and ready to go, I can also see potentially McGree playing. But other than that, I think it's going to be a fairly standard 4-4-1-1 or 4-2-3-1 with that double pivot in midfield as opposed to the more adventurous, let's say, single pivot that we might see against Tunisia. Let us know who you think should start. I think we'll just post the one graphic as our predicted starting 11 because we don't really disagree at all. Uh, Let us know. We'll have that post up on our socials and who you would like to see starting against France. James, I teased something at the start of this episode that I said, hey, if you're from Hasbro, if you're from any board game company, listen up. Football Australia, you're also probably a key stakeholder in this. I have an idea for a game that I think could be wildly successful. And I don't have a prototype here, but I figured we might play a game of it right now. Right now. Please don't tell me it's a millionth iteration of Monopoly. No, no. That uh, that would be a pretty good one. Um, not very original. What is the name of this podcast, James? It's the Soccer Who's podcast. It is the Soccer Who's podcast. And what's your favourite guessing-based board game with the word who in the title? Oh, but guess who, mate? Why not Soccer Who's the board game and we release, with the blessing of Football Australia... Our own version of Guess Who. Wow. But a Socceroos version. Probably not in time for this World Cup. Can't see it being turned around in a week's time. The idea is that we have a 26-man squad. We get to play a game of Guess Who. Trying to guess players in this 26-man squad. What do you think of that idea? That does sound very exciting, mate. I do like that. And also test your football knowledge as well. Your trivia knowledge of the Australian national team. Well, that's what I was thinking. And you could go a step further by going, well, we'll release a 2022 version, but we can release expansion packs, so to speak. 2018 squad, 2014, 2010, 2006, wow. 1974. And so you can mix and match who's on your guess who board. Go strikers only. You could do strikers only. You could do Australian-based players only. That does sound very exciting. Uh, so I figured that to end off this episode, what we might do is we might pick a player from this Australian squad and play a game of Guess Who. And uh, if you enjoy listening to this, if this sounds like something that you'd like to play with your friends, I mean, I guess you could just do it in the same way that we're doing it and not have to pay for anything. But if you think this is a solid idea, please get in touch because I would love to make this happen to be able to sell at a very reasonable price. I'm not here just to make money off listeners. I think there's a legitimately great concept that Football Australia should be using. And I will say, if I see 
Football Australia releasing a game exactly like this, I'm going to get mad. But I'll also... Respect the hustle. I respect the hustle. <laughs> That's what I want to say. But uh, James, if you will, would you pick a player from this Socceroos squad? All right. I can certainly do that. All right. I guess people listening to this podcast right now, wherever they are, can try and guess who we are guessing. All right. Well, would you like to start since it's your idea? Sure. James, has your player ever played in the A-League? He has. Okay. So that rules out Degenek, Karacic, Suta, Wright, Krustic, Boyle. And that's it. Not as many as I thought. Lachlan, has your player played in Scotland? Yes. That's a good starting question because it really wipes out a number of people. Degenek. Dang. Good one. Krustic. Irvine. Karacic. King. Lucky. I think you've forgotten that Irvine played at Ross County. Did he? I didn't forget. Yeah, well, I know you well enough that it's probably not Irvine. Lucky, Mabil, Jamie has. Yeah, Sutaras played in Ross County. And Dundee. Okay, James. Is your player considered an attacker? Yes. That leaves it. Moy. McGree plays a midfield. I wouldn't call him an attacker. Devlin, Bacchus, Rolls, King, Deng, Bayich, Atkinson, Vukovic, Ryan, and Redmayne. I'm down to six. Interesting. Lachlan, does your player have less than 10 caps for the Socceroos? Yes. Suta, Moy, McLaren, Irvine, Boyle, Bayich, gone. James, is your player currently playing in the A-League? Yes. Ooh, it's tightening up. I think I'm going to 50-50 it here. Does your player currently play for Hearts? Yes. Darn it. I mean, you've 50-50'd it, so you've just narrowed it down. I got the bad 50-50, though, because I had five. Oh, okay. Well, it wasn't a 50-50. Was it <laughs> oh, yeah, approximate. It was a 60-40. <laughs> James, is your player... Matthew Lurkey. It is not. I just would like to point out that if I'm correct, the three players that you've left me with are Jason Cummings, Jamie McLaren, and Garan Kowal, <laughs> which you're not going to respond to because I, I could be wrong with my assumptions and my, my questioning. But what are three you've left me with? <laughs> you're welcome, mate. Lachlan. Yes. Is your player Kai Rolls? Correct. <laughs> that was the wrong sound effect. Congratulations, James. You were the first winner of the Soccer Who's board game. Did you have fun? I did have fun. Do you think that this could be a reasonable game that the average consumer might buy? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm going to see what I can do to make this come to life. I'll bring in a prototype next time because we just played that without the prototype. But I think having the actual flicking of the players could be a little bit fun. Anyway, that'll be it for this episode. A little bit of a shorter one this week. I don't know what else needs to be said about the World Cup, this French national team, they're looking good. But as James said, there is a chance that we could squeak a draw here. And I'm excited by that prospect. Until next week, we'll have an episode after this French game. We'll also preview the Tunisian game in that same episode. Hopefully those Australian players recover from injury. And maybe we might see a couple more injuries in the French side. Potentially get a result out of this game. I wouldn't wish an injury upon a man, but hopefully we do get a good result. Okay, yeah, it's probably right. Probably don't (laughs) want to wish injuries upon people, but 
this is shaping up to be an exciting World Cup. I think this is possibly the strongest squad we've had in the last couple of years. So get keen. We'll see you next week.